FC13 podcast is sponsored by Bet99. Hello and welcome back to the very special episode of the FC13 podcast. I say welcome back. We know you didn't go anywhere. We, we know you like us, but it's okay. We, we, we know. <laughs> That's right. We are. We have looked at a couple of countries ahead of the World Cup. We've even previewed the whole gosh darn thing. But now, ladies and gentlemen, it's, it's the one you've all been waiting for. We are going to talk about Le Rouge themselves, the Canucks, the... Canadians, whatever you want to call them, we're going to talk about Canada ahead of this World Cup, and I've got two very highly qualified people to do that with me, more qualified than I am when it comes to <laughs> talking about Canada. We have indeed Andre and Michael. How are we doing, boys? Hello, hello. Qualifications, of if, if that's where we're setting the bar in the metric. <laughs> we're long-time sufferers. And we got long, long, yeah, actually, yeah, long time sufferers are probably better than qualified individuals. Uh, like, make a bit more long time sense. sufferers, and we, we now get to bask in the glory of being on the world's biggest stage yeah. and the world's smallest. Well, before country. these two feel too sorry for themselves, I'd like <laughs> to say that I officially qualify for being more jaded towards the World Cup now than these two, thanks to, <laughs> thanks to this qualification yeah. cycle. Ah, Scott, it's a humanitarian boycott, Scotland. That's what I'm telling myself. <laughs> <laughs> so basically what we want to do is kind of like break down Canada ahead of this World Cup we want to look at you know like about the history how we got here look at the squad how we think we're going to get on you know we want to like sort of package this for people who don't know Canada all that well and I guess to get things going in that sense for the people who don't know Canada all that well you boys are going to love this section I bet Um, what was it what's what's going to be the history of Canada when it comes to football like before this qualification campaign where everything went right. Um, how was it, um, what's it been like supporting Canada like pre-2021? So, I got into Canadian soccer roughly around 2014. It's when I got hardcore into it. And in all honesty, it's when I learned we actually had a fucking team. <laughs> it's funny how many people you say, oh, I'm going to go watch Canada. Like, do you have a team? I'm like, yes. Surprisingly, most countries do have a team. Are they good? No. But doesn't mean that we don't have one. Um, I got into it when Julian de Guzman was um, was around and David Edgar and uh, Scott Arfield started, started to break onto the scene for us because he took forever to start to play for us. And people are still crying that he's not at the World Keep Cup. crying. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> uh, so yeah, around 2014, um, it was, um, I think there was hope, but I think it was more blind hope, thinking, hey, we could maybe, if we, if we could get by teams like Honduras and El Salvador will be fine, but those were always a battle. Like, I mean, Honduras is still a battle for us, and I think they'll always be a battle for us. But we we definitely struggle against some of the smaller teams, and uh, a lot has changed over the last eight years or so. Yeah, the <clears throat> the difference the difference between the early days is, is significant. I mean, I, I, I did a lot of club football, and I was like, you know what, I, I love the World Cup, and but then as soon as you, you know, Canada would come up, it was like the the, the attitude just kind of dropped. It was like, eh, whatever. Um, you know, it was just, it was one of those scenes where you're like, we're, we're never really going to make it again. There, there was just no physical way in your head, you know, 10 years ago. Like the, the thought of a World Cup always just got so 
dashed so quickly in all the important games. Which is weird, though, because we we have a trophy. We won the tw- 2000 gold. <laughs> oh, it, absolutely. It, that wasn't no pushover. We beat some good teams. Yeah, and, and it's fucked up. And it, it's, it's, <laughs> it's so fucked up because it was like you'd, you'd go in and it'd be like, well, we're, we're never going to get there. And then, you know, your players weren't terrible, but then your comp, you look at the competition and you're like, okay, well, theoretically, at minimum, we should come third. But it was just... It was such a scenario that you would never, you would just never, mm. never do it. And so my dad brought me to a Canada game and I wasn't a child. I was as old as dirt, but it was a scenario where he brought me, brought me to one at BMO. And I don't know. I can't remember if it was a friendly. I can't even actually, I think it was like El Salvador or, and you know, I was really into club football. I was like, Oh, you know what? It's free tickets. He wants to go. My dad's more, more national team than he is. Like he doesn't really care much as much for the sport. So I went there and I was like, okay, well, the atmosphere is about the same as the, as, as the club football. I was like, okay, well, maybe maybe I'll follow a little bit. And then uh, <clears throat> I met a buddy one time for Arsenal, and he dragged me into it and dragged me into it hard. He was like, you know, can't clank the country over club. Wow, there was a lot of seas there, and I fucked all that up. The country over club, and, and he dragged me right into it, and, and I sort of became obsessed, and I watched and watched and watched, and, you know... Um, Every fucking time, I was like, "Why am I watching this fucking team? Um, and why am I going back to watch like an eight-one uh, game against Honduras?" Uh, it's because my co-hosts, and uh, you know, it was a scenario where it just getting up to this point just seemed like it, 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 I, I feel even more for the guys who were alive when Canada went to the World Cup the first time. Like, there's been yeah. so much dragging through the mud that. You know, being here is is just it's just ecstatic because it literally was, you know, up to two years ago. Prior to that, it was a fucking pipe dream. Like we, we, we'd I, only get in hosting it. I think something to put into perspective is maybe the type of team we had back in. I'm going to go with 2014 because that's the first qualification mm-hmm. I remember. But we had players like uh, Tison Ricots uh, leading the line. We had Adam Strife, David, Ed, David Edgar at the time. I think he was like, what, fourth division I, English? I don't believe in Newcastle at some point, I think, didn't he? He wasn't oh, there long, right. though. He didn't succeed too well at, at Newcastle. So, really, like David Edgar was like one of our main guys on the back line. Uh, we had the Guzman, who was really good in his youth, but near the end of his career, he was playing for teams like the Ottawa Fury. Um, obviously, we had Atiba Hutchison, we had DeRosio, and we had Borean, all three Canadian classics. But when you look at the the piece, uh, we also have uh, Bernier as well. Sorry, but you also you look at like uh, what's his name there, Kyle um, uh, Carl Omet. <laughs> I I don't even know that. Mm-hmm. I remember his name. I'm not sure if you see it. But then you also look at Nick Ledgerwood. Ledgerwood was playing for FC Edmonton at the time, I believe. You had uh, Kyle Becker, who was with TFC at the time. We had uh, Marcus Harb Haber, uh, Maxim Tissot, uh, Russell Tierbert. Like, these guys are, sure, names that we all know now, but some of these names we only know because maybe the CPL, like like Kyle Becker. The, and that, the, the, the lineup I'm specifically talking about was a 0-0 draw with Panama. This lineup sounds like, you ever um, seen um, that, that second Suicide Squad movie? They have just a bunch of ragtag characters that start who are just there to get killed off. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. And then even we even go to the 2018, um, we'll go to a 2018 game, if I can find one. Sorry. And... Like it does get a little bit better. Here, here's our first game under Herdman in 2018 against New Zealand. 
We had in our center back, we had uh, Metasacker James, who's honestly a decent player, but and has not got back into Herman's lineup, and he's playing professional in the Ukraine, so he's he's okay. But then you have uh, Yakovic, you have Michael Petrasho, Ashley Morgan, Ricketts is still in there. You have uh, uh, and the rest are now uh, solid CP. Uh, sorry, solid kind of players like Osorio, Mark Anthony K, Liam Miller, Kyle Lahren. But then you look on the bench, you have Marcus Cadino, who was just let go from Vancouver. You have uh, David Edgar, who I mentioned last time. Jay Chapman. Uh, <clears throat> Raheem Edwards. Jason Lutwheeler, who that guy got called to the Canadian squad so many times, but I don't think he ever fucking played. And that's when he was playing with Blackburn in, in England. So uh, people were actually calling on him to replace Cripo instead of... Um, Instead of Pantsimus, and all honesty, I saw a lot of people calling for him to replace Cripo, which I'm like, you guys are I, I've never heard of half Oldham of these right people. <laughs> exactly. Well, the guy I'm talking about now plays for Oldham. So we... I think that should give you uh, perspective. But it really does show, like, David Edgar, at, near the end of his career, was playing with Hartlepool. And he was one of our starting oh. starter backs and wow. most nights. <laughs> and now we have solid players with, like, Miller, Vittoria, Johnson, just on the back end alone. Because that was kind of always... I think our weakness, eh, Andre? Everyone's like, yeah, sure, we can score, but we cannot defend for shit. Yeah. That's, it's changed. It's a change on the, the flip defense. The defense yeah. was a nightmare. <clears throat> it was always a yeah. fucking nightmare for us. And Canada has such a bad, notorious reputation for calling people up once. Like a weird, like <laughs> yeah. a weird, just a weird way of ruining everyone's day. Like if you just go through the list of, of you know, international players, there are so many like one game, two games. It's like being drafted. One game. Up. Drafted, well, but, but drafted in like the worst way, where it's like, we'll call you up now. You play for no one. To be fair, though, Andre, uh, I think maybe what you might be confused this with, and I could be wrong, but in my experience, from what you're saying, we did it a lot with the younger kids when Herman first came in to make sure Herman had that pool of No, fighters. no, I'm, I'm like going. We did, I'm, we did I'm it with going back. Like, we did it with Tabla. I'm going back. We did it with. I'm um, literally going back 10, 10, 12, 13 years. Like in 2008. <clears throat> Uh, you know, we had Charles Giebe, Dave Simpson, Tyler Rosland, uh, Dominic Imanov. Are you sure these are real David people? David Monslav, Carlos Rivia Godoy, <laughs> uh, Javier Al Shabani, Gavin McCallum, uh, Gianluca <laughs> Zavari. These are all people who have been cup once, one game. Philip, D, uh, Philip Davies, even Jordan Hamilton, twice. So, yeah. like, we have a very very notorious for like trying to claw at any talent for the past like 30 years just to get us back and this is where my point's going we're we're, we we kept trying to claw at talent and now we kind of don't have to do that yeah i was gonna say it sounds like canada's like tactic was just throw protein at the wall and see what sticks and uh yeah literally so Um, um, or or at people just send them like a threatening letter like you're never allowed back here um which because we didn't want the same incident to happen with the hard griefs right we're like no you're staying with us you're not going anywhere else fuck yeah and like so if you ever amount to anything you're now like if you go through the actual list and like look at the names you'd be fucking confused as to what country you're supposed to be looking at (laughs) so um, you look you look at the back like the the last names and you're like there are so many different accents in each of these letters I don't know what fucking team I'm supposed to be looking at right now. So that's um yeah, that's yeah, how we, Canada we um like <laughs> So that's how so that's how Canada would have been, you know, like I can kind of relate about being Scottish and the fact that like you feel like you should be doing better and like like how the fuck do we how do we keep fucking this up sort of thing? But I guess the main difference between, you know, where I'm from and where you guys are from is um 
the stars have just about, been aligning lately. I was going like, to say about 3,000 kilometers. That's, uh, that, that, that too. The snow? <laughs> I guess snow in Scotland. But um, what we, what we don't get is um, we, we haven't had a team like Canada have. Like, as an outsider looking in, it kind of felt as if, like, I, I just so happened to come to this country at the exact right time. This, came, this feel like it came out of nowhere for me. Like, I had no idea, like, yeah. about 2021, like, you know, I didn't know what Canada had cooking and they'd been under my nose the whole time. So, like, what was it like for you guys to just, like, was it the same? Did you guys just feel as if you just woke up one day and the team was suddenly good? Or was it, like, a slow realisation, like, as um 2021 was playing out? I... Uh, not for me. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Not for you. I, I fucking... I, I just woke up. <laughs> I'm a, <laughs> and I was like, holy shit! I'm a... I'm a I'm, I'm a critical asshole. Um, when Herman <laughs> came in, can confirm. Uh, when when when, Ker- when Herman came in, I, it's not that I was against them, but I think a lot of Canadians ignored us at the time as well. When Herman came in, he actually took over a manager that was actually doing really well for us. Um, this guy lost his job for Herman for the sake for Herman to stay with the Canadian uh, soccer scene, and I didn't agree with it at the time. And most people call me stupid for it, but I didn't agree with it. Um, I thought the guy was doing a decent job. I didn't. I. We were. It was the best one. It was the best results we were getting for the last couple of years under this dude. I, I blank on his name, Andre. If you could remember his name, uh, fill it in there. Fucking throw me under the bus there. Zambrano. Zambrano. His first name's. Uh, his first he, name's fucked up. Yeah. It's, it's like up Octavius or something. <laughs> his first name's like Octavius uh, yeah, no. or, or something to that effect. Mm-hmm. So I thought he was actually doing a decent job. So when he lost his job to Herman. For basically the sake of giving Herman the job, I didn't necessarily agree with that. So I was pretty critical. I was I was on Herman's ass, and the one thing I always gave him credit for early on was he was getting the youth players to play for us, like players like Tabla, players like um, uh, he, he convinced players like Hoylet and Arfield to come over. He he did a lot to uh, convince Cavallini to get more players in the squad. Ustakio, like he, he did shit like that. So I, I always gave him credit for that, but at the same time, I was I was very like, ah, you know, I'm not loving it. And then we get through the whole World Cup process, and I'm, we went through the group. I'm like, God, we're going to beat teams like Suriname and Haiti. I mean, I guess you should, like, Cuba type shit. Uh, obviously, we're going to beat those. And then when we got to the actual group, and I looked at the group, and I, in all reality, I sat there, and this is also after watching the Gold Cup as well. I was like, you know what? If we're not in the top four, and that was my goal. My goal was to be in that playoff game to play someone from the Oceania. That was what I honestly thought was our our achievement because I thought you know what at the end of the day we're gonna fuck it up somewhere so a team like El Salvador or Honduras will come above us but we could do uh, fourth and then we started to play and we that first game against Honduras obviously went I think the way most Canadians expected a game against Honduras to go but then we got results on America then we got results on Mexico and then wins started to come in and it's like holy shit this is actually working <laughs> like again like over the over the last like four or five uh four years or so with herdman we saw a slow build and we obviously knew davies and david were legit players but it's always about the t- players around them and then we got players like buchanan who came out of fucking nowhere um Ustakio essentially came out of nowhere because again herman had to convince him to come um i was worried i and I, and I even said if we don't get top four Herman loses his job. He cannot be our manager if this team is not getting top four in CONCACAF. Yeah, well, and Eustachio too coming. Like, that was huge at the time. Like, yeah, that was that was a, a lot big, big up. news. So yeah, no, like I, I guess over time, over the last four years, we slowly saw it, but we didn't realize the whole picture came together mm-hmm. until the World Cup qualifiers. I, and well, and even too, if you think back on it, like 
you know, the win against uh, the United States, because there was two, and, and I want to be like, oh, there was two. But the first win in 2019 was was news everywhere. Like, you couldn't avoid it. I actually it, remember that, yeah. Sports. Because it was like, haven't beat them in 30 years. Haven't beat them in, like, that was the level we were at. Was like, you know, we, we put that on par of fucking getting to the World Cup. And then beating them that second time, I think, yeah. just ironed in like, oh my God, there is actually a big team here. Because... Herdman coming yeah. in for the last manager, Brad Zambrano. I fucking hate that. I can't remember his name. Zambron. No. Um, him coming in. Him. Co- God damn it. Um, him I wish I could forget him. Scottish managers, tell you what. Uh, oh, trust me. The one before that one, I can't remember. You saved my life. Oh, uh, Floro? Or- yeah, it wasn't even Floro. It wasn't Floro. That's what I mean. So we we it was not a fun job. Nobody wanted to do it, and I think that was the problem, was that nobody wanted to do it. No, like it wasn't the glamorous job. It wasn't like you're gonna do this with the hopes of getting the World Cup because realistically, it just wasn't there. Every time, our goal as Canadians was getting to the hex, was getting yeah getting to the qualifying. Was. That was like our World Cup. Just get to the qualifying, and it was like yeah. And then yeah. if we go at that, it's like okay, well you know. We tried. The thought of getting through that, never even in our heads. Like never, never even yeah. there. So, I mean, it's it's a whole different story now. But it was a wake up. Like, holy shit, we could actually do this. Like, we could actually do this. It was it was for me. Yeah. It was a oh, okay. Yeah, we'll fuck it up. Like, well, we, you know, I'm happy we made the hex. We we earned our way here. We had some great results against small teams, which theoretically we always fucking should, but don't. And then, and then we got to the hex and was like, okay, all right, well, we're here, great, let's do our best. So was there, um, was there like a particular game then during the, um, during the octagonal, which I'm gonna call it because there's eight teams this time round. <laughs> was there like a particular game? Was there a particular game where you thought, oh yeah, like you allowed yourself to believe we're going to the World Cup? Was it like, like that sort of like window of the US and the two games in Central America? Or was it a bit before that? I gotta say. No, I- for me, it was the draw in, Mex- in Mexico. Uh, I like it. I would, I would, yeah, I would actually say it was the U.S. It was the secondary win against the U.S. Because, okay. because again, I remember being, because it was at the first win against the U.S. I don't remember how hyped. Like, it was such, it was just, like, the hype of, of like, holy fuck, we beat them. It's been so long. And then when it happened again, it was like, oh, Okay. See, the first one's huh. like anything can happen on a day, but that second one legitimizes it in the terms of like Canada is now in the US's level. Like, it's not a shock; it's a norm. If you know what so I mean. To me, yeah. So to to me, it comes down to not just what we did in Mexico, but what other teams do in Mexico. Mexico, Mexico don't give up points in Mexico. So that draw alone, where only a hand, like I think it was like ten teams over the last like. So many World Cup qualifiers have even got a draw. Never mind a win, like just a draw. And we are now in that. I think it was the draw. first time. That was massive. I think it was the first time Canada avoided defeat in Mexico since like the eighties. Yeah, very, yeah, very long time. So the thing is, though, yeah. I had less of an impact being a Toronto FC supporter, and because we have so many Canadians on Toronto FC, and going back and forth to Mexico, Azorio, like I, I kind of took that as as a. Yeah, yeah, like kind of makes sense because Azorio was so used to playing there. At, you know, yeah. he he constantly would get results in that fucking stadium, in that in that city, in that country. 
And I think, yeah, I think for me, like, don't get me wrong, it was a massive thing, but in my head, I just kind of went, he can pretty much just walk into that dressing room and be like, hey guys, uh, I know Herdman's the coach, but I'm going to take over the coaching today <laughs> and let you know how the fuck this happens. Because these Mexican teams are primarily comprised of, of, especially things like Pumas and Club America are comprised a lot of, you know, nationals. Mm -hmm. So the thing is, is he can go in there and be like, this is the style of play. This is how the pitch is. This is how the atmosphere is. Like, Estadio Azteca is a gorgeous place. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Uh, check it out. Don't go in the uh, way I did. Um, go in a visitor's entrance, unless you're actually just there as a neutral. But <laughs> don't join scary in the chat shit. doing goal kicks scary while you're there. Shit. Yeah, uh, scary <laughs> shit. Um, but basically, it was just it's it's he took it over, and I don't. I I just felt like that match didn't have the same impact because because mm -hmm. again, I've seen us I've seen us succeed in Mexico. So how did you guys feel yeah. at full time of um, Canada for Jamaican Mill? Then like it's a feeling that like I got to be honest, I'm very jealous of, and like. I'd love to have one day, but like, don't know when it's gonna come. So, like, tell um, me all about it as a as a man who's never experienced it. <laughs> for me, I know where I was. I'll never forget where I was. And unfortunately, um, I did watch the game. But I was I was actually on the road, so I was using my my fiance's <laughs> hotspot to watch the game while we were driving uh, a good three hours away. And when the final whistle came in, she looked over at me, and tears were in my eyes. I was like, I I. I the, the full tears didn't come, but the tears were in my eyes. I had a big smile on my face for the next two hours of that drive. It was not going away. It was... And she's like... She's just looking at me. I'm like, you don't understand. Like, I never thought I'd see this. When I when I really learned what kind of soccer was, I was like, there was nothing I would ever imagine we would, could do at this point in our, in, our, uh, in our development. It was such an amazing... And it wasn't just the fact that we qualified, but we topped the fucking... It was like a counter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was. It was. It was so massive, so mental, and I'll never forget that feeling. I'll never forget where I was, and I again just the. T I didn't expect me to get so emotional because at the time as well, we kind of knew we were going. Like yeah, over, yeah. Mm -hmm. like, you basically had to win the lottery for us not to make it to the World Cup by, by that Jamaica which, game, which it, which in our head still was was a possibility. <clears throat> it was like a scenario of like well, exactly because mathematically it was possible for us to still miss out and. I think most of us who who were around to see that eight one Honduras win, we're like, yeah, that's possible. It will happen. <laughs> like, this could yeah. very well happen. Yeah, like 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 and... <laughs> every every goal against us was like, oh well, there it is. Okay, all right. Well, I'll, I'll throw my whole plans out of twenty twenty two. That was another thing during the whole qualifying process. Like every time we got a result, we just expected the next result to come in. Like that one that we lost against Panama, everyone was like, "Oh, there it is. That's what we were waiting for. We're done now." Yeah. <laughs> but this it is, wasn't. This like, is the start. We, All we right. Yeah. It was a great run. Thanks, guys. Appreciate yeah. it. See you twenty twenty six. Yeah. Like <laughs> after every game, we were almost expecting it to come back at us. But like, oh wow, we beat Mexico. But you know, we're gonna fuck it up on the next one. So when when the final whistle came in against Jamaica. Even though our ticket was basically already punched, it, it, it definitely—I'll never forget that feeling, and I want more of that feeling. The ticket wasn't—you know—it was already punched, but it wasn't physically punched. And I think yeah. being there at that game, it—it it, that punch was so significant, and everyone fucking lost their minds because, you know, the song "And Now You're Gonna Believe Us" didn't—we we sang it, but we all knew. 
I mean, you know, and some people were, were blindly hopeful, like, oh, oh, it's fine. We're going to make it. We're going to make it. But those are the same people that go into this going, oh, yeah, we're going to win the World Cup. <laughs> and they say it with legitimacy. <laughs> and it's just it's it's that yeah. blind optimism because you have two options in Canada, either advert pessimism or blind optimism. And, and you know, people who've been through the shitty part generally tend to go to the, you know, the pessimistic side. <laughs> In one day. Um, yeah. 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 Our Scottish co-host will very much agree. It was just, it was just a, it was just not, not doable. Not, if you went back in time, 2018, and talked to either me or Michael and said, hey, we're going to be in the World Cup in 2022, next one, but we're going to top the group, we'd call you a fucking idiot. Uh, we get a point in Mexico. We beat Mexico. We beat the States. I'll be like, we, okay, buddy. Yeah, we we get a troll on Jersey. <laughs> we'd be like, we'd be like, you don't, you don't watch the sport. You don't watch us. Like you're just, yeah, you're, 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 you're new, you're new to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like yeah. which national team do you mean? Like, are you talking about hockey? Because like, I think the exact words I say, you're a fucking goof. Get out, get out of my face. <laughs> get fucked. Like, get fucked, bud. <laughs> is usually the word. But I'd say something stupid like if you're right about that, I'll do something ridiculous, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, it, that's that's kind of where it is. It's as a Canadian, it's yeah. it's kind of fun. Like just thinking about that moment and what's coming up in the next three days, the, the smile isn't going away. Like I'm, I'm just so. I wish you could see it, ladies and gentlemen. So pumped. I wish you could see it. But <laughs> like, um, it, it's such a different feeling from any other World Cup. Like obviously, I've always been in it for England, and I get excited for England, but this is a different feeling. It, it really it, it's is. So, it, it is really, really fucked up, and I know you want to move on to the next section ball, but that's the fucked up part is because, you know, Argentina has always been my team to support. I've always loved Japan since I was a fucking kid. So traditionally, I was like, great, those are my teams. Awesome. Like, well, I don't have to worry about it because Canada is never going to be in it. And now, who? now it's, it's the case. I mean, thank fuck they don't play in him because, yeah. oh boy, there's nothing like. I mean, you could play Japan. I'd hate that. I would fucking hate that. Well, no, actually, oh, based on too. our last performance, no, I'd still hate it. But like, I'd, I'd kind of love it. <laughs> Just keep kind of leading off My biggest fear, my biggest fear was Canada to play England in the group. I really didn't want it. I really didn't. And when the U.S. got called into England's group, I'm like, oh, thank fucking god. Thank yeah, fucking I, god. I can very clearly cheer. But yeah, I don't know. I'm going into yeah. I'm going into Wednesday as pessimistic as I was. I'm literally to me. Like it's just it's just just kind of what it is. Um, I'm just super pessimistic. Yeah. Well, um, that's a good note. That's a good note to leave it on the pessimism. We'll uh, we'll um, go to the ad break and we'll bring back the optimism. We're gonna take a look at the squad, the teams Canada's gonna play, and figure out what the master plan is gonna be to get to the last sixteen. So don't go anywhere. FC 13 podcast is sponsored by Bet99. Hello everyone, Paul here from FC 13 podcast. As you are aware, this is a highly controversial World Cup. The stadiums and infrastructure built for the tournament have been built off the back of poorly treated migrant workers who have been subjected to adhorrent working and living conditions, effectively rendering many of them as slaves of the Qatari state. These conditions have also tragically led to the deaths of thousands of migrant workers. We may never know the true amount of lives lost as the Qatari regime denies this is happening. MigrantRights.org is a Gulf Cooperation Council based advocacy group that aims to advance the rights of migrant workers 
including migrant workers in Qatar. For the online platform, on the ground projects and grassroots initiatives, MigrantRights.org works to document migrant narratives, ignite local discussion and encourage changing attitudes and practices towards migrant workers. We encourage you to visit their website at migrant-rights.org, educate yourself about working conditions in the GCC, and if you feel inclined, donate to their cause. Anything you can afford to donate will help the fight to improve working conditions for thousands of migrant workers and would be greatly appreciated. Thank you for listening, and now, back to the show. And uh, welcome back. We hope you enjoyed that break there. I'm still Paul and I'm still joined by Michael and Andre. We've been talking about all things Canada on this podcast. So we know how the team got here and how they used to be. But let's talk about the team themselves. Like, who's in this team? What what makes this Canada side tick? Is it a left-back from Bayern Munich? Is it a central midfielder for Porto? Is it a bald goalkeeper who wears tracksuit bottoms? Like, who's um, who, what's this, who, what's the makeup of this squad? <laughs> Uh, the makeup of the squad is a brilliant, brilliant manager. Mm. Without him, we are nothing. <laughs> but when you actually want to talk about on the field, uh, we are obviously driven by the Alfonso Davies. And I think Jonathan David has a huge name in there. And then you have, like you said, uh, Estacchio, who really does control the mid. Um, to me, the dark horse, or not even the dark horse, the unsung heroes are the defenders who I think without them, we don't do as well in qualifiers. I think we definitely don't top the group. But when you look at Borian, um, just leading the back line, and then you have Kamal Miller, Johnson, Lorea, Adekubi, those, those, all those guys. And then you had um, uh, uh, Scott Candy or Cornelius jump in there on occasion. All of those guys were standout. I can't think of one bad game or one bad thing. Any of them really did, where I'm just saying that they can, this guy can't be in the squad because they were so important to... Our success. It was. It was. Mm-hmm. It was like Herdman. That was the the star signing of all of all. Simply because it showed. It literally showed. He he's taken the same players. He's gotten a couple that that if he's convinced to come over, but he's gotten the same players to pump out top notch constantly. Like Hoylet. He he's gotten him to just showcase how good he is. Laren, like Kyle Laren, like yeah. holy. F- he was a totally different player on the Holy herd, He really was. Absolute fuck. Um, and and yeah. again, you know, having seen a lot of these players week in and week out at Toronto FC, seeing them there, you know, Azario, he was just always. I don't think he gets the, talked the, about the, enough for Canada. And, and the thing is, too, is yeah, he was no, always expected to like either. score goals. He was always expected to be like the striker and score goals, but like that's not his position. It, it's well, no, that, that, and that's his problem, though. Is um, and it's sorry, it's not his problem. It's um, it, that's kind of best problem is we have so many players in that area that a player like Osorio doesn't get talked about because we have Hutchinson, Ostakio. Um, now we have Kone coming in. We have Hoylet. We have these players who work around Osorio, mm-hmm. who are maybe doing more on the goal sense or even more setting up the play. But Osorio is just as important. Like, we saw him against Mexico, how big he was. And you see, the U.S. game as well is outstanding in that. Exactly. But unfortunately, when you play for TFC and everyone around you plays in Europe, you, you go fall down that little talk ladder. Yeah, which which is – it's always fucked up because Osorio's been he, – he's been the kind of player where he's good. He could have moved several times, but it, it's a loyalty player, right, where he 
he's been there for so long and he's staying there because he's loyal and that's well, that's think, the problem yeah. that kind of bites him that he doesn't get talked about but i don't he doesn't you know from from everything i've seen over the years of watching him that's not a problem for him like the win is more important yeah. than the glory because with the win comes the glory yeah and i think i think you're right i think Osorio could have moved on but i think with him the problem or maybe not the problem but Going leaving a team like TFC when you were literally the face of the franchise and you were their guy to go maybe over to Europe where it's a it's a total unknown. Where do I sit? Where am I a bench player? Am I a regular player? Do I get minutes? Do I impress? Am I back here next year? There's a lot of questions for MLS players when they go overseas. Yeah. No matter who you are, there's usually questions on how well they will do. I think the only player that I'm, I'm this could be my ignorance to Canada, but the only player I can think of that there wasn't really a question mark for was Davies. Because when he was 15, he had European giants on his ass. So I can't see people questioning when he left. But someone like Osorio, there would be question marks. Yeah. So there's definitely a safe space for him in well, Toronto. And I don't know not leaving. He was, at, um, he was at New England before going to Club Rouge and lighting up the Champions League. There's like a, there's like a no, healthy right, amount but... of MLS players and European players in his team. It seems to mesh together, I feel like, whenever I watch. like. Mm-hmm. Well, I felt like going back to when we talk about 2014, 2018, I always felt our biggest problem was uh, all of our players never played together. Most of our players played in eight, one player in England, one in Spain, one here, one there. And then we have a handful of players from the MLS, but only maybe one or two starting while the rest of the random ass European ones <laughs> filled the squad. So there was never chemistry. There was never one. Like if we had a bunch of players who just played in the MLS, I think we may have seen earlier success just because of the familiarity. Yeah. But we never really had that. And even now, it's, I think it's still, I think it's still like that. But the difference now is we actually have star power, where we never had that star power before. Yeah, we had we had like, Di Rosario, we but maker. that was that was homegrown, home built star power versus international star power. Yeah, like, we we never had people who would <clears throat> pick them in their FIFA Ultimate Team, so to speak, until exactly. until now, which is fucked what? up that we have now several. I want to take it. Yeah. I want to take it back to what you said, Michael. So, like in the in the current squad, we have um, Pantamis, Waterman, Miller, and Johnson and Coney. There's like a big, there's a decent core there of players who play for CF Montreal. So, do you think that? So, yeah. you think that's an advantage then having like a decent core of players all playing for the same team? Like, um, like they get to know each other very well. Uh-huh. 100%. And I think it's more important on the back line to have all defenders who play with each, o- each other all year round. I think that's a huge advantage for us. And anytime I bring up this argument, all I say is go look at back when Spain won the World Cup. They had two teams on that fucking squad, in all honesty. <laughs> they had two teams and they all, both, all played in the same league. That's why they were successful. Now, you might argue with me if you're maybe a Saudi Arabia fan because all your players come from two teams within your league in all, in all reality. But the difference between... Saudi Arabia and Spain is obviously the talent pool. Amongst other things. But Saudi Arabia is still Saudi Arabia is still considered a good team coming out of Asia. And we've seen them come we've seen them play very well in groups. And that I'm not and that's what I'm saying about Canada though. I'm not expecting us to win everything. But we Saudi mm-hmm. Arabia brings a competitive squad to the World Cup. And that's what Canada could do with familiarity among the players. So yeah. So um being competitive at the World Cup. We um we know who we're in. I gotta tell you, when watching the draw, I remember there was a possibility that Canada could have been put into the group that featured um, Germany, Spain, and Japan. 
And um, so at the time, it was like, um, oh, thank God, it's only Belgium, Croatia, and Morocco. <laughs> and um, yeah, when uh, it's only the number one ranked just, team, the runners up of the last one. But if I had to pick one of the two groups, like I'd rather be Canada than Costa Rica, let me tell you, that's a cursed group and a half. Yeah, because um, you're right, they come down to those two groups. So when Costa Rica went to that one, I celebrated. When um, when uh, the US went to England's group, I celebrated. And when Canada went in to get Belgium and Croatia, I was like, it could be worse. Could, <laughs> that was my response. This is a funny <laughs> one. It's like, this, this is not, this could be a lot better, but it could be a lot worse. It's like a really, it's it like yeah. just enough of a carrot there to give Canada a legit chance, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, dang, it's dangling it in front of our it's face. It's dangling and... just close enough. But I think it comes. I think that I think that dangling comes from our success in the qualifiers that we topped the group, and I think it also comes from people giving us hope. I think there's a lot of non-Canadian fans saying these these guys are going to be dangerous. These guys are going to be the dark horse. These guys are the ones I'm watching. And it's the hope which I as which I hate as but... as a Canada fan. In that regard, it's the hope that kills you. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, look, I always say. Um, even false hope is good hope, and I'll take that. Another right false now. hope than false pessimism, I guess. <laughs> oh no, there's no false yeah, hopelessness. You're, you're not gonna have false pessimism. It's gonna be full pessimism. Like it's just you're gonna be like, all right, I, think, I it think it's a tough but like exciting group. Like um, we all seem to like differentiate on who we think the strongest team is, which I think is a good thing. Like in terms of like we don't yeah, know sure. who the strongest team is, it's not like an outlier because like I'm of the opinion that it's Croatia and you guys like both strongly seem to think it's Belgium and the one thing we can both agree on is we think Morocco have the potential to take points off Croatia and Belgium. So I love the fact personally that Canada play Morocco last, which means Morocco yeah. have the opportunity to take us. points off Belgium and Croatia. And there's no excuse for Canada to take Morocco lightly going into that last game because if Morocco turn out to be terrible, well, Canada will more likely need to win the game anyway and they know what they're going into. If Morocco turned out to be good, well, Canada know they need to bring their A game, which they would have had to have brought against Belgium and Croatia anyway. Well, like I was saying to you before we started the podcast or the the, the recording, um, I don't. I think Canada's group is could be considered a group of death. Because I can see all four teams going through. Um, I know a lot of people would say it's the Germany-Spain group, which I do agree with. I think at the end of the day, that is the group of death. But I don't think Canada's not in one. I think we are a group of death because I can see Croatia flopping with Canada and Morocco getting the second spot. I, I don't see Belgium falling out, but they can. And that's the big thing is they can because Croatia is good. Morocco, I think, is going to surprise a lot of people. A lot of people think Canada's going to surprise people. This is a group of death because nobody agrees on who's getting that second or first spot. Statistically, it is the group of death. You have the number one ranked team in the world constantly, and you have the 2018 World Cup finalist runner-ups. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, the best team in CONCACAF. I mean... Yeah, in all honesty, yeah. <laughs> which, yes, but there's always that caveat in that, you know, technically, it's it's a rarity for us to be there. And there were a lot of circumstances for us to get there. Like, we had to play Mexico in a fucking frozen wasteland. I think I've seen a stat so, somewhere that's like, um, the team who, like, finishes top of that CONCACAF World Cup qualification table, like, far more often than not, gets to the last 16. 
So, like, history's really? on Canada. Like, yeah, like, um, I mean, I know we're talking about the US and Mexico almost every time, but, like, every time, like, a team has <laughs> caught, has won the CONCACAF qualification table, they almost always get to the last 16. So, mm-hmm. if you want to look at it that way, like, history is technically on Canada's side here. <laughs> I, um, yeah. I think, but personally, I think, um, Belgium's defence is what gives me a lot of, Gives me a lot of hope. Like we all, it's funny. Friendlies don't matter unless you want them to matter. <laughs> Belgium, <laughs> Belgium yeah. losing to yeah. Egypt. Um, I'm fully aware it's a friendly, but in the ma- but that was a good squad. I was going to say was it was the manner in how they were defeated. I'm like, holy shit, this is exactly what I want Canada to do to Egypt. I mean, to, to Belgium, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm like, oh god, well, course, Egypt yeah. just did that to Belgium. Maybe they'll do their homework now. <laughs> So um, hopefully that's yeah, not that, that's been hopefully that's that, not been blown. <laughs> that's my that's my approach. Anytime you see something like that, I never want to go up against a losing team. No, I you don't. <laughs> like, that that was that everyone everyone looks at that and goes, oh my god, look, great. Now they know where their weakness is. <laughs> Fuck. Like now they can tie up their shit and be like, we just lost to Egypt. There's no fucking way. We're what the only way I'm hoping the only way I'm hoping that they they maybe dismiss it is because Egypt wall. Not an international powerhouse. Them missing out on the World Cup is kind of a oh, because there are yeah. obviously world class players from there. So it's a, it's a scenario yeah. where I'm hoping they go like, okay, they were just better on the day. That's how they look at it. Versus, mm-hmm. holy fuck, we need to tighten up our our defense. God fucking damn. So let's um son <laughs> of a bitch, motherfucker. Let's get the blackboard out. Let's put on our best suits or tracks. So it depends what type of manager you want to be. And um. Let's figure this out for the first game. Um, Michael, mm-hmm. what would your formation and like you know team sex, general team selection be to get a result against Belgium in this first game? Is this including Ustakio We're Davies? We're going to assume that they're healthy for now. Okay. All right. Because yeah, Borian was Think positive. <laughs> Happy thoughts. We're going to assume the. So, po- we're going to assume Canada's got their full healthy squads. <laughs> So I think we're gonna be a defensive team, give Belgium the ball, but we're gonna work on that counter. So I think we'll have Davies up the field with Adekubi behind Davies, and then move over. We'll have Miller and Victoria, and then Johnson on the right, uh, and then uh, up in front of Johnson, I think we'll have someone like uh, I. I would honestly go with Hoylet because I I would like the experience in that match and the leadership, with Hutchinson in the middle. Um, along with Ustakio, and then you have David and Davies, uh, David and Alaren, uh, the starting strikers, uh, do a two-ball system with Borean and Gold. I like it. Am I missing it? No, anyone? that's a full team, 4-4 four, 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 fucking 2, yeah. as uh, Mike Bassett would say, and um, it worked yeah. well for Canada in qualification. <laughs> yeah, that's I, that's where I'm going to go. I think we, we need to have the, the fast win, the counter, with the defensive and experience mm. in the back. I, I'm I'm pretty much almost similar, <clears throat> but I'm going more like a four three one two. Um, you know, obviously, Borean being hopefully that this isn't a big problem because if it is, then we I I'm don't, I don't I don't believe Philly Michael. I I don't I don't I just <laughs> oh fuck that would come back to me. Holy yes, shit! Yes, yes, it would. Oh, yes, it God, would. No, Ladies and gentlemen, for those who no. don't know, um, Michael has previously said a bunch of times stuff along the lines of like once 
Why no does our keeper get injured? <laughs> I said, Saint, I said the only way Saint Clair gets into this game is if there's a car accident with two goalies and in it. And <laughs> yeah, we're, we may have the equivalent of a car accident. <laughs> yeah. So oh I mean, gosh. beyond digging that up and replaying it probably every fucking time during the World Cup, if if Borean is injured, um, I, you know, we're hoping that's not the case. And then again, we have. You know, your, your pick of the litter, you have, um, you know, a Johnston that's just been so instrumental. Waterman, who's such an up-and-coming, like, you know, uh, powerhouse in a way that, that he's so unknown that he can he can take that in. Lorea being dependable, but with really, really quick on the wing. Miller being, you know, exactly as you expect him. You know what he's going to do. You know he's going to do it well. And midfields, you know, you can't pass up Estacchio. Hutchinson is literally just the voice of the line. He he can control that entire line so well. You can see it when he's in there. You can see it when he's not part of the game. Um, and then, you know, you, you could have a toss-up from there. Kay, while inexperienced and sometimes hot-headed, does have um, pace. Like, he's got, he has a lot of caps for Canada, but, but you know, when he's on there, it just seems like he gets too hot-headed over it. But then you have Azorio, who has a lot of experience on a lot of big stage. Piet, who also just has been so reliable, so consistent. So that one, I don't know. That one's a toss up. Um, so you just did the whole sitting. team. <laughs> uh, no, I'm keeping yeah the whole team. They could play. Uh, everyone, Fuck everyone that we brought could possibly play. Uh, so you know, Davies in that one position because that's kind of where he plays for Canada. He doesn't really play as much as as a, a, a wing back. A left back. Yeah, yeah. but. You know, he's got that attacking prowess there and that speed, but he can also drop back to give him, you know, a 4-4. And and up front, it, it's, you know, you'd have David, obviously, because that's the powerhouse. But then who who's to say? Because I, I'd be a toss-up between, you know, Buchanan and Hoylet, a uh, toss-up. You know, Cavallini, while he's got his, his bullshit there, he does know the squad. He has experience. You know, it, it could be not necessarily as a striker position, but it could be something where that, that attacking really distracts the opponents and i think that's where his his strengths are i like i I like the detail here's what i'm here's what i'm thinking (laughs) i i want to negate kevin de bruyne in that midfield as much as possible and i want canada to get as many players in the middle of the park as possible as a result because um obviously he's the player that worries me the most um hazard's not the player used to be and lukaku is injured so i want to go just a four at the back so I think we all have the same defense. Like I'd be madness at this point if I didn't. So like um, like Boyan, Adakubi, Miller, Vittoria, and Johnson. No, they tried and tested. Yeah. And then yeah, like similar, I want to have Davies on the left. Like if necessary, essentially a second left back there, and like he could run all day. And I want to have him running at those old Belgian defenders as well. And on the other side, I want to have Buchanan. He's had a lot of big game experience lately. He's played a lot of important games in Belgium in the latter half of last season and in the Champions League as well. He's played against some big teams like Porto, Bayer Leverkusen, and Atletico Madrid and he came out very well. Like had to do defensive work in there as well, obviously, and he was able to handle the task. So I'm not worried about him in that role. My midfield three, yeah. I want to have Hutchinson in there. I'm aware he's probably not going to be able to play the whole game, but I want to have him in there to start with. I think we've seen against Japan he is ready to go. And I'd like to have Yastakio in there as well. I'm gonna leave it my third midfielder for now. I'm gonna let I'm gonna make you wait for it. And um obviously up front I wanna have David. I know 
I know Laren may have more goals, but I'm just more confident that if Canada get one chance in this game, that David is going to bury it. My final player, my um, my X factor, my third midfielder, I am taking Ismail Coney. I I know he's about. T- I uh, yeah, yeah, you, yeah, you knew that was coming. I know he's only 20 years old, but like he has done nothing but impress me whenever I've seen him. He's a ball of energy. He can run in any direction. He can run in any direction. I mean, they all can, but like he's he's very box to box. Like you need him to like join. Unfortunately, this this one's a lot like a, a pawn. He can only go forwards. This player's not like a bishop. He only goes and you know he, diagonally. Paul, can I add to? I want to add to what you're saying, Paul, before you finish yeah. it. I just want to say, my first sub, depending on how the game is going, would be Hodgson for Kone. I, I do want to say that right now. Or Hoylet for Brie Cannon, depending on how the game yeah, is going. Yeah, my subs would probably be like there. the likes so my, my first two subs I can think of would probably be Azorio and Hoylet at some point for like one of those midfielders, maybe Buchanan or um, depending if I want to change, change it up or not. But like that's a... That's the team I would put out against Belgium, and we'll, we'll find out which one of us yeah. is right in a couple of days. Connie's playing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think he'll play, just not until a little bit. I'm going to be the smuggest bastard on the planet if he starts against Belgium. <laughs> I'm, I'm not talking to you if he starts against Belgium. I won't be uh, MIA for You're going to be like Gary Neville when Liverpool won the league and just go into hiding. <laughs> I'll be very um I'll be hiding for a couple of days because I was very much against him starting against Belgium. Um I in all honesty though, especially against that game against Baran, I think he proved that he could be a starter. I think that could win over Hermit's decision, especially if there's injuries to Estacchio. I think it's possible. I think but... injury to Estacchio, um I would actually be more inclined to play Azorio as my Estacchio replacement. Because I just like I want the experience um, in there to replace your starter. Because I'm, I'm start because I'm starting no, Coney anyway. I, mean, look, I think I think I'm probably in the minority to say Hoylet starts over Buchanan. But Belgium to me is a game where you want to set a, a president, and you do that with experience, and you do that with uh, defend uh, leadership. And I think Hoylet brings it. I do think Hoylet comes off early though for Buchanan, or that's what I would do initially. Uh, uh, and anyways because i think in all reality buchanan does start that game i just would go mm-hmm. a different approach yeah so, yeah i mean you can't not play with it exactly so <clears throat> quick, quickly to wrap us up i'm gonna put two into one here what to what for you guys personally would be a successful world cup for canada and in the hypothetical situation where everything goes right what would be your dream final and you have permission to um chuck your world cup bracket in the bin it can be literally anybody no matter if it's like, say, okay. a team they have to play in like the the last sixteen. Right. Yeah. Right. I get what you mean. Um. So, uh, for me, um, a successful World Cup for Canada would be getting results and being competitive. We could finish dead last, but who says we get a, a draw? I'd be happy. But and again, something I was saying to you before, Paul, is something we could lose to Belgium four or five nothing. But if we're competitive and we look like we belong, in a sense of the goal's just not going our way, I'll be mm-hmm. happy. I want to see us go there to play, not go there to participate. So if we're, if we're, I don't give a shit where we finish in the group. Being at the World Cup is a huge accomplishment for us already. But a successful World Cup shows that we give a shit and that shows that we want to prove people wrong. That's a, su- that's a successful World Cup for me. And a dream final, I'm going to go with Canada and the uh, USA. Yeah. It's a game I know oh. we can win. It's a game I know we can win, and it's a game 
that would be for the fucking ages. And imagine, imagine, CONCACAF final World Cup. Oh, God. Oh, Bring the tear to you for man's eye. Oh, man. Exactly. Yeah, I... It would be the least watched World Cup final. Oh, time, yeah. Sure. yeah. 100%. <laughs> I don't know, man. I watched Spain versus the Netherlands in 2010. <laughs> it could. I don't actually like. I enjoyed that World Cup final. Thank you. I, I, yeah, but it could be a lot of people watching being like, why the fuck is the U.S. there? Like that, I think that's more. That's that's where I wouldn't want it the most. Is just I don't want them in a final. Um, but for me, I'm a little bit more of a simple man. Score a goal. That's all, that's all I'm asking. Just if yeah, we, we score there, one, one goal, we're so much better than the last time. If Belgium shuts us out in the first game, I'll just go like start cutting himself. Like fuck, we haven't got it. No, yet. no, I'll just be like, yeah, that's par for the course. Sorry, right. uh, yeah. you know, it's it's. I'm already broken inside. It's not really gonna go any worse. But in in scenarios like that, yeah, like literally, just get a goal. Then that weight is lifted off your shoulders, and then whatever the sky's the limits. You know, you can keep pressing. Get one fucking goal. We're already better than the last time we were here. And we have a way better squad, in my opinion. So let's do it. Get a goal. We're good. Finals. Uh, whoever is the lowest ranked absolute garbage team. Because if we somehow get to the finals, I do I don't want I don't I don't want a team I support to be in there because then I'm gonna be like unhappy either way. Yeah, I definitely go on Canada England final. So I mean, I, I'd stick with my prediction of something that would be would be amazing and fun to watch would be you know Argentina England, because oh boy. Um, oh, I thought Paul's question was for Canada to get to the yeah, finals. Who'd or, or sorry, not Argentina, like Argentina <laughs> Canada, which is basically like the same thing. Are you know England Canada same thing? Um, it's a scenario in terms of of getting there. It's so hard to pick a team. I would like I said, I'd pick. Maybe Saudi Arabia or yeah. you want the easy one. I want the easy. I really want the easy because if you get there, at least third place. You know what? If we got that third place, I'd be fucking ecstatic. I'd take that just as much as the final, <laughs> I would the actual final, because it's like holy shit. But you know, I don't know. I, I really don't know. I, I I'd say yeah, yeah, maybe yeah, Saudi Arabia. I have a question. I have a question for Andre then before we wrap up. Um, who do you want to score Canada's first goal, and who do you think it will be? Two different questions. Yeah, That's yeah, a great yeah, yeah. One. Who do you want? Yeah, I think of that. Did, yeah, Paul, why didn't you think of that one? Um, uh, who do I think is going to score the first goal? It's probably going to be like Eustachio or so, someone, you know, Hoylet, someone someone just from a, a free kick or, or a corner that just kind of goes in. Who do I want to score the first goal? Hutchinson. Obviously. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, okay, I, I'll agree with Hutchinson. Him or Hoylet would be two I'd be – super juiced for but Hutchinson's says my number one um who do i think i'm gonna go with laren yeah yeah he's scored so many big goals for us in the qualifiers uh as much as i love david i think laren will have an edge on getting that first one especially if it's pen you gotta think Laren's i, I think i think david is gonna be one of the few players that are so marked because everyone knows and that's where i exactly. think someone else is gonna get it because they're gonna mark davies they're gonna mark david and then they're gonna go like, I'm pretty sure I've heard of you stack here, but I'm not too sure. And then everyone else is gonna be like, I have no fucking idea. I don't know. Who, I don't know. I'll also be are. thrilled if it's Kamal mm-hmm. Miller. I'm just throwing out. I <laughs> think so. Here's what I think. What I, want. I think Canada are gonna get a penalty against Belgium. I think through like Canada's pace in the box, uh, one of those clum, what one of the older Belgian defenders or something, something clumsy is gonna happen. So I think Canada's gonna get like a penalty, that. and. I want David to take it, but I think Davies will take it. So I'm going to go with Davies. Okay. 
but I'm also like in terms of what I think, what I want, I want Eustachio to score. Um, like I, if anyone yeah. has listened to me, like I think, like he's my favorite player for this Canada team. I just want to see him like blow up yeah. in this World Cup, and I think a goal will really put him on everyone's radar. I want him to have the glory of scoring a goal in this World Cup. But um, mm-hmm. That's fine. I think that'll That's just fine. about do it. Thank you very much, gentlemen. You've, I mean, I was already supporting Canada. Like, I've looked, I've looked at it as you know, the World Cup is a party that I have never been invited to. <laughs> but um, I have been given a plus one thanks to Canada this yep. time round, and I am going to run with it. This is straight up the closest the closest thing I've had to having a team in the World Cup. So so thank you. Um, we are the FC13 Podcast. Just make sure to follow us on YouTube. We have a brand new YouTube video out. We may even have more by the time you hear this. We look back on our previous World Cup memories that the three of us have. We're pretty active on our Twitter as well. That's at FC13 Podcast. We are associated with 13 Man Sports. That's a sports website that writes articles. We are, um, we are full-blown going into World Cup stuff when it comes to the articles right now. So if you want your World Cup content for out, then just go to 13 Man Sports and we'll have you covered that way. I'm Paul McNulty and you can find me at paulmcnulty96 on Instagram. And I'm at Andre Cray. Pretty much on everything. Make sure to follow us on TikTok as well. Um, I'm calling Michael on <laughs> Perfect. Okay. Now I'm sure next time you hear us, ladies and gentlemen, you know, um, hopefully we've got good news for Canada. But um, in the meantime, we hope you enjoy the World Cup. And listen, just remember, what listening to the FC13 podcast and watching the FC14 podcast on YouTube. This is why I don't host. <laughs> it's like watching football <laughs> through a microwave. <laughs>